This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango joined in studio by Mr. Alex Ferrario from 101 ESPN. Also handling your pre- your post-game, your intermission, mm. uh, St. Louis Blues coverage. We've got Jeremy Rutherford is on the road this week with uh, with his young hockey yep. player, right? Yep, and Nashville probably enjoying himself a little too much. <laughs> He'll say he's watching hockey, but we know what JR's doing. How cool is it for those? That's so rad that those kids have the opportunity to have those experiences. I know. You know, I, I never uh, <clears throat> was... Um, <clears throat> Particularly great athletically, so well, uh, I didn't really either, make Don. it on any teams that would be able to you. travel. I wasn't talented, so I said, "Let's talk sports because that's where I'm smart in." All right, well, wait, real quick before we get started, what did you play when you were so a kid? I played, did soccer for a couple of years, was awful at it. Uh-huh. Uh, did a lot of basketball. Oh, you I did. only did a very small portion of hockey because hockey was just expensive at the time. Yeah. So when I got older, I did more roller hockey. I did floor hockey. I didn't get to do ice hockey, which sucks because it's like my area of expertise now. Yeah. Uh, only did a few years of baseball and then one, did one year of football and realized I was way too thin with it. So, <laughs> um, But all of them, the longest one was basketball. I think I did basketball from grade school all the way up until I was a senior in high school. Oh, wow, that's and awesome. Then I realized I was awful at that, too. And I'm like, I should talk sports. Dude, I can honestly remember being in ninth grade, all right, and I had never played football before, but I just wanted to be on a team. Same. That's why I did it. And I knew that if you showed up to practice and you worked hard, that you would at least be on the team. Yep. All right? So I'm in, I think, science class with this kid, and we start talking, and he starts talking about football and how he can't wait to try out for football and how he can't wait to start hitting people. <laughs> And, like, he is so focused on how he can't wait to hit people. At some point during that conversation, Alex, I realized that he was going to be hitting me at some point of the other. I was like, you son of a... And then I said to myself, you know what? I don't know that I want to try to do this. So I, so I did the tryouts, and then I did, like, one practice, and I'll never forget... They put me as, like, a cornerback or something. I don't know. I was this little skinny kid that they thought could run fast, which I couldn't. I was, like, (laughs) cornerback, and they were doing some drill, and the running back got through all of the defense and came at me, and he trucked me. And I got up off the ground. I said, nope, this sport's not for me. (laughs) I got home. I'm like, I'm in pain. We're good. I'm going to stick with the non-contact sports. Dude, that's fantastic. But it's wild how it works, too, because, like, you now – all of these sports that you're a su- huge fan of, like big fan of hockey, wish I would have stuck with it. Yeah. Big fan of baseball, wish I would have stuck with it. I play golf all the time now with my dad. Man, I wish I would have spent a day every year in high school just practicing golf. Because yeah. who knows what you could do with it now. Can I tell you something? And I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that this is cool, but I got to give a shout out. All right. One of my daughter's very dear friends was named the Post-Dispatch Golfer of the Year. Really? High School Golfer of the Year. Uh, she's a sophomore. Wow. And um, <laughs> it's so unbelievable to talk to her about it and then to also talk to her dad about it because her dad is the band director at my daughter's high school and is an incredible human being. That's awesome. But it's so amazing to talk to him about her and her athletic pursuits and the way that 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 I feel like the parents do it the right way when they I don't know the but, but like there's obviously 
a responsibility, the desire to take it seriously, the mm -hmm. desire to work hard at it. Yeah. But I also know that if she came to him and said, this isn't fun anymore, I don't like this, yeah. it'd be done. Yeah. So It's just so unbelievable to me because now she loves it. Yeah. She loves it. And I'm betting that she's going to play D1 golf. Oh, absolutely. Because of it. Yeah. And it's just so freaking impressive. Well, congr a sophomore, I mean, dude. And to be named that prestigious award for being a sophomore. I mean, I, just to give credit, like my parents did that too, man. And that, like, now I feel like it's like, man, I wish they would have pushed me more. But at the time, I'm so glad they didn't because yeah. my dad, I mean, he wanted me to be involved with all kinds of sports. He wanted me to try everything, do them all, and see what you like. But as soon as I said, nah, you know what? I don't like it. He's like, cool. Right. Move on to the next thing. Yeah, you yeah. know, like I did it with baseball. He was like, cool. If you don't like it, don't worry about it. I stuck with basketball, and he loved that. But he was never pushy to the point where it was like, stay with this. You're going to love it at the end. Because then you hate it afterwards, right? Dude, absolutely so, man. I mean, you see the guys on your own teams that's that's parents, yeah. dads specifically, just boom, boom, boom. And you know they're not having any fun. Right. Dude, like I stopped I, I stopped having fun in the ninth grade when the curveball got introduced to the party. <laughs> that, that, that's when I was just like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to be able to do this. <laughs> that goes baseball for me. You know, but it's so it's crazy, though. But also, too, and Jamie has said it before as well, that like, you know, th the idea of a kid focusing on one sport yeah. all year just seems, one, like a lot, yeah. and two, it just doesn't maybe seem like it's that much fun, man. Yeah. Don't these kiddos, they they have got to have a balance here, or it's going to backfire. Well, it's the same thing in school, where they tell you, like, don't pick one career and stick with it, like, explore everything, and then decide which direction you want to go. Same can, thing can be said with sports. It doesn't have to be that we're pursuing this as a career, but you should get to explore all of them and say, like, do I like doing this? What about this one? Yeah. Because the more you do all of them, and I know Jamie's more the athletic side that can say, like, you don't want your body to just get tradition to one area like yeah. in baseball it's just arm 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 because that's not keeping your other body part strength but to be able to explore it all and figure out what you enjoy most that's the most important part of it all so psa to all the parents right. out there man keep it going with these kids dude so funny though because i've got three kids one kid that loves sports my oldest just loves it yep. you know the whole thing my youngest two could not give a crap i mean they would like to go to games with me they yeah. have a great time you know Pardon me. They're great. They're, they're they're great company for the games. But like, as far as you know, trying to teach them things, they don't yep. care. And so, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I'm just still gonna go to the game and have a good time. I'm in the early stages of it. I got a two and a one year old girl. So the two year old girl, every time I'll say a sport, she goes, "Yuck, Daddy." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, cool." But then my my one year old now, now. She doesn't really get to fight back because she's a one-year-old, right. but she'll watch football with me. So I just get her to sit there and watch football. I'll get to watch hockey every once in a while. So I'm like, you know what? I'm starting to make improvements here. It has begun. Yes. It has begun. Katie hates it. And I said, <laughs> just get used to it because it's going to be a tradition. All right. So uh, the last time that we had a podcast and we didn't go uh, directly uh, to the gut with hockey, people got mad at us. What? So, uh, so uh, <laughs> but, and there is plenty of blue stuff to yeah. talk about. We just got off on a little bit of a tangent. Um, when you sat down here today, and, and there's a bunch of stuff to talk about, obviously, but one of the things that um, that I woke up to and did this morning is I watched the post-game press conference last night with Drew Bannister, with Robert Thomas, with Colton Pareko, and Booch. And um, Booch. it was so... Dude, I feel like in just a couple, in a short time, that Robert Thomas 
is sort of one kind of coming in to the captain's role mm-hmm. or, or what you know what I mean like yeah. it just seems like it's kind of fitting him a, or fitting him a little bit more absolutely but but just the way that I think he's handling the press and all of the attention it just feels like it's getting to a point where maybe he's getting a little more comfortable at it and a little good and a little bit better at it but also too Alex we are watching what very well could be one of the best St. Louis Blues to ever do it. Yep. This kid is something special. He gets named to his first NHL All-Star team yep. in Toronto. He's going to be able to have the entire family. I think he was even talking in the presser about his grandma's going to be able oh, to yeah. go. I, it is so amazing to watch this happen. And, you know, Alex, you watch every single play of every single game. What have you seen, man, from this guy And just say – the last year as far as maturity level goes as far as growing into his game like like how have you seen the the strides that he's made to get to this point I mean you're seeing an elite centerman take form and I mean let me ask you this when was the last time you can think the Blues had an elite centerman oh boy I mean Paul Stastny but Paul was kind of towards the the start of the end of it not saying Paul wasn't great but the last one that I could go back to would probably be Doug Waite like oh, Doug Wade, yeah. when they got him, I mean, that was like one of the best sentiment yes. around, and you've had Adam Oates. But, like, think about this for a minute. Robert Thomas is among the best centermen in the National Hockey League right now. He's more than a point-per-game player. He's 41 points now in 37 games. Here's the, the part that answers your question, what I'm seeing from him in one year. Last year, it was the changing of the guard to where you still had the – the leader of the pack in Ryan O'Reilly, and Robert Thomas was kind of that next guy, but a lot of fans were like, well, but when's he going to take that next step? They trade Ryan O'Reilly, and from the moment they trade Ryan O'Reilly, Robert Thomas became your number one centerman. Last year, at this time, 37 games through the season, he was a minus eight, was playing about 19 minutes a night, and was close to being a point-per-game player. He was like two points shy of a point-per-game player, Mm -hmm. but a minus eight. Now, I know people don't think plus-minuses are fickle stats, whatever that is. When it comes to centermen that are playing 19 minutes a night and putting up points, if you're a minus, that means defensively you're struggling. Mm -hmm. Donnie, he is a plus-14. He has scored 41 points in 37 games and is averaging around 20 minutes a night. That, so just to put this in a perspective for people that don't understand goal differential, the plus minuses, what that means is plus 14, he is on the ice for more goals that his team is scoring yes. than the other team is scoring. So he is more of a positive impact on his team's play than when he's off the ice. And then I got one more for you. I'm going analytical nut. I love it. I, I love know. it. So sorry to everyone, but our, our good buddy BK, my co-host, he and I were texting last night about this. When Thomas is on the ice at even strength this season, the Blues are outscoring their opponent 39-23. to 23. So they have scored 39 goals, and their opponent has scored 23 goals at even strength. When he is not on the ice... St. Louis has been outscored 71 to 46, a minus 25. So what I'm telling you, Donnie, is he's an all-star, rightfully so. He is starting to build the resume of what I believe will be the next 100-point player for the Blues. I don't know if it's this season. I don't know if it's next season. But I think Robert Thomas will be the next guy to get to 100 points. And the last guy to do that was Brendan Shanahan. But I also think that this is a Selkie Trophy candidate this year, and and, and that and, and that's what's going to be my follow up question because last night 
Wasn't he up against Patterson? Yep. And then and JT Miller. Like I think they used him in two different roles. Right. And then before that, or the last week, it was the Colorado game yep. Nathan where, McKinnon. where they did z- less than nothing. Rope hints Jason Robertson the Dallas the, game. So I mean, so he is not only putting up these unbelievable offensive numbers, yeah. but he is also literally. Literally locking down the best players and the best lines in the NHL. And still producing. That's the part that's impressive. And producing, by the way, with two guys that offensively have been inconsistent. Like Jordan Cairo has had his ups and downs. Pavel Buchnevich has had his ups and downs. Think of the guys that are in the Selkie Trophy conversation always. Like Patrice Bergeron in years past. Patrice Bergeron, an incredible player. I'm not taking anything away. Bergeron also got to play with David Pasternak and Brad Marchand, who are going to put up points ridiculously. That helps. Nathan McKinnon, I mean, he is passing to Miko Rantanen, a 10th overall pick who is a pure sniper in the National Hockey League. Barkov with the Florida Panthers, playing with Matthew Kachuk. Robert Thomas is playing with Pavel Buchnevich, who I think is a very underrated player in the National Hockey League, but you guys that are very inconsistent. So Robert Thomas is... I mean, he has had a massive turnaround, and uh, Steve Ott was talking last night on postgame with Curbs and Joey, and I love the way he talked about it because seeing the progression from a kid who came into the league in 2018, fresh off of winning the uh, Memorial Cup for his juniors team, winning a gold medal for Team Canada, and then joining the Blues team, he played on a third line with... Pat Maroon and Tyler Bozak as a right winger. Yeah. And he was scratched most of that season. And then the next year, he was still a right winger. Then the next year, he started to play more center, but it was a third-line center. And then two years later, we're talking about this kid who's 25 years old as a number one centerman on the St. Louis Blues. I mean, Blues fans should be very excited about this because if you want to get out of this retool, Donnie, this is the start. You have to have this type of player. Well, and and the thing that's so exciting, and I think that's one of the reasons that I got all flipping, just excited watching the the post game last I night, and watching the highlights. Is um, you know, man, we and we talked about it on Tuesday when we did the podcast. The Blues have a sizable number of players in the World Juniors <laughs> that are whooping ass, yeah. that are making an impact, and so I'm starting to think. To, and then, and then, all right, man. That game last night. All right. So listen, I was listening to the pregame. I listen, and I don't. I should talk about this on the podcast way more than I do. But I listen to the the pregame and postgame and the intermission stuff like virtually every game with you guys. Oh, I love it. So I'm listening before the game last night, and you're talking about the uh, goal differential for Vancouver in the first and second periods. Oh yeah, and they're dominant. Plus like, nineteen like, and plus twenty one. Just crazy. Yeah. Two minutes into the game. Vancouver scores. And I'm boy, I'm MFing you. God dang you, Ferrario. I, I wish I wouldn't have heard that. But man, but yeah. but yep. they dug in. Mm-hmm. This this was not a team that let the second goal happen and then they were back on their feet for the or their heels the remainder of the game, man. They dug in and went after it and they played those guys tight. And like Drew Bannister said it before the break or, or somewhere in the last couple of days, you know, like some of those games, that Colorado game, we got to get, we got to tie that game up. The 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 uh, Pittsburgh game, yeah. we got to tie that game up and figure out a way to get into overtime. Oh, this was in the post game or pre game last night too. So like to see them do that last night and against a tremendous team, dudes. Yeah, that's fantastic news for these guys. That's huge. I mean, to me, that was tied for first. Tony Larusa esque. 
best game they've played all season because I put up there that Colorado Avalanche where they scored eight goals like that was very impressive but to do that against Vancouver now you heard the goal differential it was plus 19 plus 21 that offense that you just went up against they have scored 142 goals this season that is 20 more than the second best team in the National Hockey League that team was averaging almost four goals per game Donnie you allowed the first goal, which was a defensive breakdown. I mean, plain and simple, you just didn't cover the guy. But other than that, what did they do? I mean, Natural Stat Trick, who has a, a really good like hockey analytics in-game numbers for people that want to look at it, they rank high-danger scoring chances, which the Blues kind of call it in the house. So if you draw a line across the face-off dots in the offensive zone and then draw two lines down and then kind of make a house towards the goaltending net, that's in the house. That was the only goal that they scored in that area. The Blues didn't allow much in the house the rest of the game, which is credit to their defense, but that offense is elite. I mean, it is elite offense, and you found a way to not only stifle it, the third period they had their push, which is expected, but here's the part that I don't think enough people are talking about, Donnie. That team had the goaltender pulled for three minutes and 17 seconds last night. It was six on five for three minutes and 17 seconds. And we all remember how rough the Blues were last year with the goaltender pulled. Like when the goalie was pulled, you were thinking this game's going to get tied up. You just killed off three minutes and 17 seconds of a penalty kill essentially to win a two to one game. They're six one and one in one goal games this season, which they were not that good last season. I think they barely got to six wins in one goal games last year. So that's showing you the progress. But you mentioned when one goal goes in, you're expecting more. I've kept track of it all season, Donnie. 17 times the Blues have given up two or more goals in a three-minute or less span. Yeah. So, like, it comes in waves. They've only done that twice since Drew Bannister has taken over. So I don't know what it is. It could be coaches. It could be players. What I'm telling you is this Blues team is different than what they were pre-Drew Bannister. Yeah. They've got confidence, and they know how to lock games down. Boy, and there is some kind of, like, um, <clears throat> I don't know the best way to say it, Sort of this like steely, quiet confidence with Drew Bannister. Oh yeah, like like I could just imagine that if he loses it, whoa baby! But he <laughs> just seems like I mean, he, there is just I, it, it's not that Craig Berube did not have an intensity about him. Obviously, oh yeah, we know. I think even when he was in a good mood, he looked <laughs> I was intense. Say, he was intense because you looked at him and you thought he was going to drop his mitts. But 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 Bannister, man, I mean, he just seems to have. Almost the same sort of matter-of-fact qualities about him that Barubi did, but there's just this sort of steely thing going on. And this, dude, this team looks different. And, yeah. and, and it hasn't looked different every minute. There has obviously been times where it hasn't looked great, whatever. But but I feel like this is this is way more indicative of the Blues team that we should see. Yeah. As opposed to maybe some of the stuff that we were seeing before Drew Bannister. Yeah, well, and it's a great point. Drew Bannister, to me, has just got a silent confidence to himself. And I think that silent confidence comes from knowing the game and knowing his players. I mean, he's had a lot of these guys in the minor leagues. Like, it's no coincidence they brought Nathan Walker up for that game last night, and the fourth line was impactful. I mean, Nathan Walker had himself a scoring chance. Drew Bannister knows the players that he has, and he knows how to get the best out of them. And I also think some of that silent confidence comes from 
from trusting his coaching staff. Because you also got to remember, like Drew Bannister still was in the early stages of being the interim head coach. He's still learning the nuances of his team. And I, I would say he's not like taken over the coaching and like changed everything. He's kind of slowly implementing stuff that he wants to see. But I'll go back to a quote that Robert Thomas had talking with him. And he, and he talked about how like what Drew Bannister does best is he'll tell you what's wrong with a certain play or certain that you're doing, and he backs it up with video. Now, I, I don't know if Barubi did that. I'm, I'm assuming Barubi did because yeah. Barubi wouldn't be here for as long as he was if he didn't. But to hear a player like Robert Thomas say that and flashback to when Doug Armstrong talked about trying to connect with younger players, if you got a player like Robert Thomas saying that and you're seeing the fruits of that labor on the ice – Drew Bannister must have something correct and clicking right now. And it's not just Robert Thomas. You look at the way Colton Pareko has been playing. You look at how Scott Perunovic is playing. You look at the way that Jordan Cairo has been playing. And I know the points aren't there, but overall, this team is as taken on that confidence that Drew Bannister seems to have on the bench that you're seeing just as much as I'm seeing, and I think that's a massive reason why the team's performing well. I would really like, and I know we have more important things to talk about than the fourth line, (laughs) but I would like for that fourth line to be Walker, Torpo, and Sonny. Yeah. The hard part is you don't have anybody to play in your top nine. Now, Yakub Verana is back. Yeah. My assumption, which we all know what what happens when you assume things, (laughs) but my assumption would be this is an opportunity for Yakub Verana to try and get back to the form we saw last year under a different coach, and he's going to be in that top nine role. I love Toropchenko. I don't think anybody works harder than Toropchenko on the ice, but Torpo's Torpo's not able to finish like other guys are in certain areas. But I think the way that he plays identify so well with that fourth line because every team has it. Vancouver's got a line they call the pulse line, and it includes Teddy Bluger, Connor Garland, and Dakota Joshua. That's the line that scored last night. It's a pulse line for them. Um, Every line has a go-to line when things aren't right. The Blues don't. The Blues don't have a line that, like other than Robert Thomas, but they've got other duties in games. But like in a game where you need to just steal the momentum back, you don't have that line. You did when it was neighbors Sonny and Toropchenko. Now I think they're going to try and get back to having Toropchenko, Sonny. And I love Nathan Walker's game. Nathan Walker doesn't get pushed off of pucks very much. So who knows if it works? Toropchenko's got all of the size and skill to be a top nine forward, and he has shown it. But, man, does he identify so well with that fourth line if you need a line that can get things going. All right, a couple things here real quick that I want to make sure that that we mention. One... Um, you just talked about Scott Perunovic, five assists in his last five games. Yep. So, and and, and just please, because I don't remember, is this his longest uh, streak of play, uh, of playing games in a row? I gotta think so. So the only other one that I can think of would be that first year, and I'm gonna look it up while we're talking. That first year where he played towards the end of the season and then played into the playoffs that year, but that was seven games in the playoffs and 19 games. So even if he did that from end of the regular season to the playoffs, which I don't think he did, I mean, we're talking 22 games right now. I think he's played about a stretch of 18, 17 games. So yeah, I would say in terms of just regular season play, right now is the longest stretch we've seen of Scott Perunovich. And so he has done what he needs to do, obviously, duh, to stay in the lineup every game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Period. Yeah. He has. I I mean, he's not – 
Right now, Drew Bannister says he's still trying to get the confidence level for Perunovic up to what he was in the AHL. And I understand that because the guy has missed like three whole seasons yeah. due to injury. But the way that for me, and I think I'm in the minority with this one, but for me, the way to instill that confidence is just to give him more responsibilities. And I mean, he's earned everything. Last night, that pass that he made to Robert Thomas. Whoa, baby. I, that was the play. That was the offense, Donnie, that we saw in the playoffs two, three years ago. When we saw him on the power play where he picked up four points in seven games, everyone was like, Scott Perunovich is the next big thing. And then the injuries took place. I don't know where his defensive game is at. Maybe it's too much to ask him to play with a Colton Pareko right now. But by the end of the season, man, I'd love to see him play in the top four. I'd love to see if Scott Perunovic can go toe-to-toe with at least some of these top-line players. Because if if you're Doug Armstrong and company, that's that's what you need to find out. Right. Like, he's a restricted free agent, according to Cap Friendly, at the end of the season, which means you have his rights, but it's arbitration rights. So you're going to have to go to arbitration if you can't come up with a deal. But... If you know that he can be a top four defenseman for you, which I personally think he can, I think he's got a lot of Quinn Hughes in him, the ability to to skate that blue line, to make those elite passes defensively. It's just how quick he is with his decision making. I think he's a top four defenseman for you, and I think that's what you need for this Blues team to again to take that step out of the retool. Five points in five games, impressive. But the fact that he's playing 12, 13 minutes a night and he's coming out of this looking like a net positive. That's what you want to see from him. And I personally hope that by the end of the season, we're talking about 18, 17 minutes a night average for Scott Perunovich to see what he looks like. Wow. All right. So uh, also to a gentleman that over the course of the last year to two years has just been absolutely hammered by Blues fans far and wide. Last night played in his 614th NHL game, I believe tying Barkley Plager for Blues. Or did he surpass? No, I think he tied because He he just... The Pittsburgh game, he tied McKennis. So then the next game, he would have surpassed McKennis. So, yeah, I think he ties Barkley. Colton Pareko, 614th NHL game. Uh, He gets a goal last night. And, man, oh, man, this dude is looking like the real deal. And I don't know, you know, man, I don't know how we categorize him. Right. I don't know that I say I, – I don't feel like I say he's our number one guy. But at the same time, as I'm looking at this every night and watching him play, I'm thinking, well, I don't know who the hell else is the number one. <laughs> but Justin Falk is so great, obviously, yeah. and, 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 you know, Tory Krug, obviously. But, but boy, Colton Pareko is really having himself one freaking hell of a season, and it finally seems like Blues fans are off his ass. Absolutely. And, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but toot. I think two years ago I was on with you this podcast and I started to talk about how Colton Pareko is a top defenseman in the National Hockey League and I got pushback on it. Think of the number one defenseman in the National Hockey League. To me, it's Drew Doughty, it's Victor Hedman, it's Alex Petrangelo, it's Roman Yossi. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. But then, but see, that's the thing. You isolate two different ones. Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Adam Fox. Those guys are number one defensemen on the offensive side. Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, though, are are better defensively than people give them credit for, me included. Eric Carlson is basically a forward who calls himself a defenseman. Right. But the guys of Hedman and Dowdy and Roman Yossi, the difference between those guys and Colton Pareko are the points that they put up. Colton Pareko's just not a point getter until this season. That's a different topic. But he's a guy that plays almost 24 minutes a night. 
He's a guy that goes up against the other team's top line. And if we're going to talk about Thomas shutting down McKinnon and Pedersen and Rope Hints, then you got to talk about Colton Pareko and Nick Letty because these guys are doing the exact same thing. But Colton Pareko is playing penalty kill. He's playing even strength. He's not really missing shifts. He's staying healthy all season, knock on wood. Everything about what Colton Pareko is doing right now is a number one defenseman. And I'm not sure what his plus minus is at right now after that last game, but he's close to being a neutral or a plus, which last year he was like a minus 25. Now let's bring in the offense. Defensively, we know what Colton Pareko is. To me, you're paying him $6.5 million compared to a Darnell Nurse who's making $9.5 million, Seth Jones who's making $9.5 million. Like, look at the comps to what Pareko's making to other defensemen in the NHL, and you'd take Colton Pareko over any of those guys. Offensively, he's got seven goals on the season. He's on pace for 15 this year. Last year, there were only three defensemen that scored more than 10 goals. So Colton Pareko's doing that now. All seven of those, Donnie, have come at even strength. The only other guys that have more even strength goals than Colton Pareko right now are Quinn Hughes and Jake Wallman. And he's got three game-winning goals, which is tied for the most in the National Hockey League. So defensively, you know what you're getting every single night. And to me, you can call him a top defenseman, number one defenseman, whatever you want. But if I know what that guy's going to give me every night, he's my best defenseman. Yeah. And now you're getting the offense from him. He's shooting the puck more. I'm not sure what people would want, and I'm not saying people because Blues fans are starting to realize it, but on the national stage, I'm not sure what else you need to see from a from a defenseman other than somebody who's going to put up 15 to 20 goals, and that's just never going to be Colton Pareko, maybe. Right. So do you uh, do you see uh, – are there any other Blues players that you think might – might make it to the all-star game is Pareko one of those guys potentially or no if 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 there were so the way that it works is they they vote in one player from every team and then I think it's five other players get selected by the fans for each conference they're doing the draft this year again which I love that they're doing that I hate that the old the way that they've been doing the draft was so much fun I if there were there were guys that were going to get selected it would either be Pareko or Bennington I don't think Bennington gets picked because there are three goaltenders already in, and I'm not sure you're going to take Bennington. Not saying you shouldn't be in, but his numbers aren't going to back it up to where people are going to vote. Sure. I don't think Pareko gets voted in just because the points don't match. The points or the plus minus don't match what you'd be voting for on the sure. other side. I personally would say Pareko's an all-star because I think when I look at all the defensemen, you know the ones in the Western Conference that get in, Petrangelo, Roman Yossi, Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, Miro Haskin, and those guys are going to be the defensemen that get in. But I'd put Colton Pareko in for how he's played this season. Specifically, I think he's been one of the better defensemen in the National Hockey League in the Western Conference. Man, Alex, the way that this is all working out, and and I I hope that everybody has had a chance, if you have the athletic, to read the really great article that Jeremy Rutherford did about uh, Dalibor Daborski. Am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. Um, Nailed it. Because not only um, did he have a hell of a tournament, but when his team lost and they were done, the way that he handled it just seems like somebody that already wants it so bad. Oh, yeah. Like, that's going to come into the league, like, frothing at the mouth to get that cup. And it's not going to—so it just feels like, Alex, that the 
the nucleus, that the the next generation of this Blues team, and I think that that includes like a a Robert Thomas, Colton Pareko, all the way to Dvorsky, and all the, like the future is really bright and yeah. it's very exciting to yeah. me. It should be, and I'll, I'll go back to something that Tom Stillman told Curbs on our broadcast a couple of nights ago, and he said, like, people got to understand that there's a patience factor into it. These guys aren't going to be here right away, and they're not going to contribute right away. It takes time. Look how long it's taken us to get to this level with Robert Thomas. But to to think about where the Blues are now in this retool that we're talking about and then look at some spots that, for lack of a better word, are placeholders. You're in a position to where Jimmy Snuggerud, Otto Stenberg, um, Dalibor Dvorsky, those three guys alone are projected to be top six wingers, top six forwards. Then look at your top six now oh, of Thomas, Kairou, maybe Buchnevich, Braden Shen, you know is going to be your long ter- long term. Like Jake Neighbors, by the way. Like Jake Neighbors! Right. Like that's that's the nucleus, and now you're implementing that next nucleus. And don't go, don't forget about a player like Theo Lindstein, who is having a incredible tournament for Team Sweden. I, I mean, this guy wasn't even a part of the roster, and he is a plus 11 leading the team right now, and he's got nine points i think maybe don't 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 quote me on that one we'll say ish yeah ish but like that's another guy that like we're just talking about now so they're stocked in terms of prospects and depth two things real quick one uh i love jake neighbors it it honestly there are times where it's like somebody peed in his cornflakes he's like (laughs) got that got that er to him and i like that and then the skill on top of it yep. for this kid joe called him a cowboy last night on the broadcast and i love it <laughs> i love the comp because he's like he's like a little kid in cowboy gear out there he's always going out there to have a good time and yeah. go out there and fight how about the one play where it was him and uh i think it was him and dakota joshua maybe or him and tyler myers regardless they were in a scrum and then the one guy punched neighbors in the face and neighbors just yanked him out of the scrum and started throwing bows at his head like he had eight shots on goal last night. Like the dude does not quit. So this, I'll go back to what I've said before. I couldn't tell you the last time, maybe since Big Walt, that they have had the Blues a legit power forward. Pat Maroon probably, but like a legit power forward. There are not a lot of them in the National Hockey League anymore. Everybody's a sniper or a playmaker with yeah. the size. Jake Neighbors is a power forward, and like. It's only his second season. Like, yeah. imagine what happens when he gets into his, like, grown man strength. Yeah. That's the dangerous part of Jake Neighbors. I don't want to put you on the spot here, but just uh, curiosity has got me as we're talking about younger players. In Springfield, the Zach Deans, mm-hmm. the the Bulldukes, is there anybody down there right now that's kind of raising their hand? Uh, Bullduke and Dean both are. Dean, if you look at his numbers, they don't match what people would like to see for a first-round pick, somebody you got for Ivan Barbashev. But he's used in a third-line role. I think he's having a little bit of a slower grasp on the AHL pro hockey than, say, Zachary Bolduke. Okay. But Zachary Bolduke, I mean, I I think he's at like six or eight goals right now for the Thunderbirds. He's been playing in a second-line role. He was on a line with Jakub Verana and the Thunderbirds when Verana was down there, and Verana was a point-per-game player for them. Um, so Bolduke is starting to... He's starting to showcase what they're hoping that he can become. I don't I don't think we see any of those guys this season, okay. though. I think Doug Armstrong made it very clear that the goal is to keep those guys and the minors all season so that they know what a full season looks like. 
in terms of being a pro so that next year at training camp, they come in with the mindset of, okay, I got a year of being pro underneath me and you don't have to worry about the back and forths of the AHL and NHL. My guess is unless a massive injury bug hits this team or they get way out of the playoff race and they want to see what these guys are, you won't see Bolduc or Dean with the NHL this season. That will be next year. But that's fine. And I think that's perfect. But best that's Almost best case scenario. You got to develop these guys, and the only way to develop them is to keep them in big time roles. Like now, Nathan Walker is up with the with the Blues. Bullduke's going to be getting more ice time because Nathan Walker is up. What happens when Alexandrov gets brought back up after his conditioning stint? More opportunities for out for Bullduke and Dean. I would much rather that take place than bring one of those guys up here and put them on a fourth line or a third line role and struggle and lose the confidence. Mm-hmm. Let them play in the AHL all season. Heck, maybe get to a playoff run with the Thunderbirds this season and see what you can do with it. It's so amazing to me. I mean, the 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 the, the, the player development part of this is just so freaking fascinating oh, to yeah. me, man. It's so fascinating how it's 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 literally different for every guy, but you still kind of have the same general idea that you want to take. But more than anything else, it's just incredibly exciting for this organization because, you know, again, I, I don't, you know, who knows what happens tomorrow night in Carolina. Or- right. We still, I'm sure, are in for some more roller coaster moments this year. Absolutely. I completely get it, man. But all you want to do is you want to have hope going forward. And not. And I feel like we should have a sizable amount of hope as Blues fans. Well, think about what we've talked about today. Dude. You've got an elite centerman. You've got a top defenseman. You've got incredible goaltending, which we really didn't even get into, the way that Bennington has played and Hofer has played. Like Those are the elements that teams need. Those are the staples teams need to build something. Think about the LA Kings. We always talk about their retool comp. Drew Doughty, Ajay Kopitar. They had Jonathan Quick, not there anymore, but like you got two of the three. The Vancouver Canucks, Thatcher Demko, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson. Robert Thomas, Colton Pareko, and Jordan Bennington. Like yeah. that's the that's the the pillars, and you build everything else up. And like that's the part that there's a lot of optimism right now. On top of the fact that you're seeing all of these younger players dominate over in the World Juniors, and let's not forget the cap is going up four million dollars next year, four million dollars the year after. Some contracts come off of the books. That's where Doug Armstrong is his as at his best is molding a roster when you feel like you're ready to take that next step. Man, oh man, hot damn, Donnie! I you, just I'm telling you, I came in this morning, I watched the highlights again from last night, and then like I said earlier, I watched the press conference thing, and I was just I was jonesing to talk to you guys about it. Like you know I what just, I can I, go I, for right now? Some rascal flats, some life is a highway, okay, Donnie. Listen. I wish we could play the song in the podcast. We, we we can't. But so honestly, and this is this is an honest thing that happened before you got here today. Uh, I sat down and was like, you know what? I got to listen to this cover of Life Is a Highway, and I was expecting it to be different than the Tom Cochran OG version. Alex, the way that you made it sound in the last podcast is that one of these songs is so is, is just slow, and then the other one, your Rascal Flats one, is just uh, boom. It's the same damn no, song, man. Alex. No, man, there's just a bump to it, you know? There's just a, there's just a, you know what? I want to put the foot on the pedal and just go, where Tom Cochran was more like, well, you know what? I'll put it on cruise control, and I'll be comfortable. 
There's no cruising in life as the highway, Donnie. Listen, you got to go at the speed limit. Listen, I guess if we're going to do a hockey podcast for 45 minutes and talk about all the things that we talk about, if this is the only thing that we disagree about, we're probably doing all right. <laughs> and I'd say that's great for our friendship. Yeah, 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 very <laughs> we'll much so. We'll just disagree on this one, man. We're golden. <laughs> all right. So for our homeboys, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, who is on the road with the St. Louis Blues, and Jamie Rutherford, uh, who is on the road with the next generation hey, of, uh, of hockey players. Little Blues. Alex Ferrario from 101 ESPN, Donnie Fandango saying thank you very much for checking out the Last Minute Blues podcast. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.